Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me as ever, Blake Harrison. How are you, mate? I am very good, mate. Very, very good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, well, look, we've got a kind of a bit of a mishmash of a, of a show today because um, uh, we had a fantastic episode come out last week with Veronica Hardy, and we've got um, hopefully another very exciting guest uh, in the pipeline. But we've kind of got um, a bit of a sort of a, a sort of not I won't say a filler episode. That's doing it an injustice. But there's been lots of little everyone's bits and pressed up. Everyone's left. You've said the word filler, and everyone's gone. Well, no, but we've we've, we've basically you know, this weekend's card. Yes, there were some great fights in it, and we're going to be talking about all the great fights that were um, that went down at this week's UFC. But it didn't feel that like there was enough on that card to give us a big sort of bumper episode. So we've also realised there's been lots of other bits and pieces happening in the world of MMA. So it's yes. like let's throw this all together in today's episode to give you an episode that isn't a filler. Yes, a little taster is that obviously there's been a, a big retirement from a former guest of the show that we want to talk about. Yep. Um, there was a situation in the PFL that's really interesting between uh, the, with the PFL, we've suspended a couple of guys in uh, Nathan Schultz and Half uh, Half Manfio, and uh, it's had real big implications, all because of a, a, a fight that they didn't like, essentially. So that's going to be really interesting to talk about. And there's also uh, apparently, according to someone, the uh, the Biggest fight of all time, potentially, we'll between uh, between we'll two people. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> the biggest fight of all time. Coming your way, uh, Asterix. Um, so, um, yeah, so we've got all of that to, to talk about. But uh, I guess to begin with, we should just go straight into the UFC on Saturday, should we? Well, A, it was on a nice, sensible time. Oh, um, I love, oh, what a sensible time. It was lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> very, very nice. Civilised, wow. civilised human time. So, I mean, let, let's have a little look through the card. I mean, I'd rather sort of pick up on things. I mean, we should mention Neil Magny, um, who uh, who topped the uh, the prelims, didn't he? Um, yeah. Against Philip Rowe. Um, 
got a decision win. Um, I thought it was a, a solid performance from Magni. I didn't think it was the most exciting of fights. Yeah, I, I think, well done, Magni. You're a legend. Most winning as well in the world. Let's move on. Let, that's it. I mean, I'll tell you what weren't boring. Uh, the, uh, the four minutes and 39 seconds that was Brendan Allen versus Bruno Silva. Oh, my God. What a fight that was. I mean, that, that's, that's a great one. It was phenomenal. I mean, at one point, I thought Silver's got this in the bag. It yeah. was just like three Rocky films condensed into like one <laughs> round. It was just absolute <laughs> mental. If all uh, the Rocky films w- were about 50 seconds long, it would be this. this yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, neither of them took a backward step and they just went at it, didn't they? And it was, yeah, it was yeah that, that's, if you want to start a main card, it don't get any better than that. No, and it came about in a slightly odd way as well, because I believe Brendan Allen was supposed to be fighting Jack Hermanson um, uh, maybe a week or two previously. That fell through because Hermanson got injured. So he's taken on Bruno Silva, who I believe was outside of the rankings, which again is a great thing that he's gone, I've got this opportunity to fight a ranked guy, but that's fallen through. And two weeks later, I'll just take on this guy that's unranked and is... Very dangerous. You know, Bruno Silva's got some decent wins. He's a dangerous guy. Uh, Brendan Allen, I mean, obviously it was a phenomenal performance, got rocked, but also just was really seems to have upped his game with the striking. He's always very good with his grappling. That's kind of his, his bread and butter. Uh, but he's, uh, he's he seems to have improved with, with the striking. I mean, maybe defensively still needs a bit of work because he did get clobbered a couple of times. But he's, he's coming on leaps and bounds. And he's only 27. And I feel like yeah. Brendan Allen's been around for a really long time. So I was actually surprised to go, oh, shit, he's only 27. And he's now on a five-fight win streak. So, yeah. and as we've talked about before, middleweight is in a weird place. So much of the middleweight division has, um, have already fought the, the champion. They've already fought Israel Adesanya. So now we, we need that fresh blood. And I really hope that the UFC matchmake accordingly with this, they've got a young guy. Um, they don't have, even though he is ranked, they don't have to kind of like shoot him straight up to the top or anything. But let's give him some semi kind of favorable matchups so that we can actually build up this potential fight with Adesanya because Adesanya needs contenders. You know, they've already, I think, shit the bed a little bit with Drickus Duplessis. He's tailor made as a, a good fight for Adesanya. Adesanya's talking about him. Adesanya probably would style on him. Uh, they've got a fight card coming up in Australia that you would imagine Adesanya's going to uh, headline. But now they've got Trickers Duplessis fighting Robert Whittaker. It's, the, it's Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird one. But I think, you know, in regards to Brendan Allen, I think a performance like that of just like, let's just go to war and let's see where this goes, win or lose, I'm, yeah. I'm biting down and I'm throwing. Dana White loves that shit. And like and and that's gonna for me, I reckon I mean it weren't the most exciting fight on the card because we'll get to what I think was. Um but uh but yeah, I mean that he's to put himself in a good position there. You know, every, as far as that card goes, a lot of people are gonna be talking about that fight because it was carnage, madness, all condensed into one round, and I think Brendan Allen's gonna get a nice fight next. Who? I don't know. But uh, as you say, the middleweight division is in a bit of a, an odd place. And I think performances like that are going to kind of push you up to get some some fights. Because if you're exciting, then uh, fans love it. 
Absolutely. I mean, he called out Jared Cannonier. I don't really see that happening. Jared's ranked third, and again... That's not happening. Yeah, he's probably close-ish to getting a rematch to Adesanya, but, I mean, not that I'm overly excited about seeing that fight. He might have to fight one or uh, another contender at some point. There's talk about him fighting Hamzat Shemaev, which would be a great fight. If you had Jared Kananir welcoming Hamzat Shemaev to the middleweight division, I think that'd be absolutely fantastic if that actually happened. But um, other than that... He said that if Drickus Duplessis loses against Robert Whittaker, he wants to fight Drickus. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a great fight. Drickus and uh, and Robert Whittaker are fighting in like a couple of weeks' time at UFC 290, and it makes absolute sense that uh, that if Drickus loses, which I think most people would be picking him to lose because Robert Whittaker's so good, if Drickus loses, throw uh, Brendan Allen in against Drickus Duplessis. If Brendan Allen wins. He might be able to get a title shot off the back of that because he'd be on a six-fight win streak uh, and he's beat a guy in the top five uh, in Drickers Duplessis. If Duplessis wins, then he keeps things alive because, again, he's the highest-ranked guy to have not fought Adesanya yet. Mm. And if he loses to Whitaker but then beats Brendan Allen, then there's a world in which you could give him a title shot again anyway because he'd be ranked fifth, mm. he'd be on a win against a surging prospect. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because there's not much else out there. Sean Strickland, I don't think anyone's clamouring for him to get a title shot. Um, Is he fighting this weekend? I think he's fighting this weekend, doesn't he? Yes, against an unranked opponent whose name has escaped me. Magomedov, I want to say, but... Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, a- oh. Abus Magomedov. Abus Magomedov, who I believe resides in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Sean Strickland's oh. taking a tough fight there, fighting someone outside the rankings when he is ranked seventh. But uh, mm. that could that could inject some uh, much needed uh, fresh blood into the middleweight division. If he gets a quick win and he comes out of there unscathed, Brendan Allen, Sean, Str- oh, no, Sean Strickland's beat Brendan Allen, hasn't he? He, he has beat him a while back, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, and Brendan does want to get that one back. But again, Brendan Allen's so young; he's twenty seven mm. years old. I think you can say that his losses were down to kind of inexperience and and youth and all that kind of stuff. And I think. You know, give give Brendan Allen a bit more time, and he he could be challenging up the rankings. He's got an interesting personality, it seems as well. I love a guy in a furry hat. I think we said this the last mm-hmm. time before. Men in furry hats, they do well. So uh, yeah, well well, and I well mean, done. If he's going to fight uh, biggest Drickus, then I think it's a you know th- there's a lot to be said there because we've just seen Brendan Allen in one of the most explosive first round wins, Drickus has generally got about a round, a round and a half in him before yeah. um, he's absolutely exhausted. So yeah. it could be one of the greatest first rounds in oh, any uh, any UFC event. But in regards to uh, uh, Drickus, uh, Bobby Knuckles, yeah, good luck with that, Drickus, mate. Yeah. Uh, I think you are going to be breathing out your arsehole uh, by the end of the second round. <laughs> and Bobby Knuckles, he's going to be going to work, ragdolling you everywhere, mate. Um, oh, well, yeah, yes. We spoke a lot about Israel Adesanya, and there seemed to be a little tip of the hat to him from uh, Onama with the old uh, bow and arrow celebration at the end of his uh, KO win over Santos in round two. Uh, Big old uppercut. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, that was a great fight. I think Gabriel Santos, this to me highlights just how deep and brilliant the featherweight division is because we talk a lot about bantamweights. We talk about, obviously, the lightweight with all the huge names in there. I kind of feel, and, and welterweight as well to an extent, but I kind of feel like featherweight is on absolute fire at the moment. They've got a champion that is arguably the pound-for-pound pound best on the planet. And then they have got a bunch of other fun fighters in there as well, including the likes of, you know, Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, 
Ilya oh, Taporia now who we get on to Arnold Allen Brian Ortega like there's Calvin Cater the list goes on and on there's some that's where all the fights are there. that's there's where all the fights are some phenomenal fights in that division and outside of the rankings you've got people like Onama doing what they did to Gabriel Santos now Gabriel Santos as far as I'm aware came in to the UFC to fight Lerone Murphy back in March put on a really great performance um, I think it was you know a, a kind of late notice fight he came in and put on a really good performance. Obviously, Lerone won, and rightfully so. But it was a good performance from Santos. And then he's come into this fight, and I thought it looked really good again, until he mm. didn't, and he was laid out on the canvas. And he's one of these guys that's like, he's probably on a three-fight contract. He's lost his first two fights, could easily get released or just have another really tough fight ahead of him. But he could be someone that's really, really good. And it just shows you how deep the featherweight division is, that they've got guys outside of the rankings that are only two fights into their UFC uh, contracts or whatever, not done particularly well in terms of results. But uh, you, when you watch them fight, you can see they're clearly talented. And uh, yeah, and it, it, as I say, it just really goes to show that the strength in depth of the featherweight division. What, what did you make of the, uh, the celebration? Did you like the celebration? What, the fact that he... He, he ripped off uh, Izzy. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that's just a, 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 a respectful nod. I, I don't think there's anything other than that in it. Uh, uh, what I heard was, because obviously Izzy did that to a Brazilian and he was fighting a Brazilian, he wanted to do that to a Brazilian or something. And you're like, that's fucking tenuous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tenuous link. Like it's not to do with anything to do with the two of you or the beef. It's just he's a Brazilian, and by the way, there's an awful lot of Brazilians in mixed martial arts. Uh, and you've just seen a guy beat him and do the arrows. But that arrows was obviously personal because Pereira starts all his fights with the arrows. So Adesanya gave him the arrows back, and he gave him three because he beat him three times. That like, was super personal. And now this guy's just come along and gone. Oh yeah, I'm go- gonna do the arrows. I don't know. It just seemed a bit lame, didn't it? Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you didn't uh, mind it. It didn't offend me. No, I mean, I wasn't offended. Hour, I was just like, yeah, bit naff. It's just yeah. a bit naff. I suppose you should find your own thing, right? Find your own thing, mate. Find your yeah. own thing. Have have your your thing that you. Do. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what a performance! I'm nitpicking. Because it was a yeah. phenomenal performance. He did very, very well. And again, like in the Alan Silver fight, both of them seemed to rock each other and then yeah. come back. It was, a, it was an interesting card, wasn't it? Because you had some absolutely cracking fights on this card. And on then paper, you, you had have seen some, it. some dull ones as well. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think an armor as he must have walked out the, the octagon, fired another one of them invisible arrows straight into the eye of Justin Taffer. Oh, because, Fuck me. That's probably the worst eye poke I've ever seen. It's like he got him in both. Austin Lane we're talking about now uh, yeah. in the heavyweight fight against Justin Taffer. He, he seemed to get him in both eyes. He seemed to like, mm. he, 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 like yeah, his, his, his index and his ring finger just went shoom, straight into both of his eyes and they went deep as well. When they did it on slow-mo, mm. it was like you you lost the kind of first knuckle part of his head. Like they were, yeah. The fingers looked like they were halfway in his eyes. That yeah. was a really nasty eye poke. And obviously, uh, Justin Taffer just couldn't see out of one of his eyes and just couldn't continue. He was still going, though, wasn't he? But, oh, like, what a tough bloke. Maniac. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I guess looking at 
tough fighters. The next two fights, you know, on the card, the, the you know, the, the the main and the co-main, you know, uh, props to the losers because they both showed incredible yeah. levels of heart. And we'll we'll, we'll start with um, Amanda Rebass versus uh, Macy Barber. Um, new weight division for Rebass this one, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. weren't the smartest move that I don't think. Maybe um, maybe she was a bit undersized for it. I don't know. Um, but Macy Barber. Oh I mean, my god. That was a a performance and a half, and like the striking was ridiculous. Like, yeah, I was I was expecting more 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 sort of um, wrestling there, but the striking was fantastic. Head kick, incredible. Yeah, like, yeah. I just think Macy Barber made a real statement there, and uh, and I definitely think that the the hundred and twenty fives are going to be thinking, oh, I don't know if I want that heat. Is, is it another young one? I mean, we'll get on to Ilya Tapuria in a minute. There's these young guns coming through. Macy Barber's only 25, and there was this whole talk about she wants to be the youngest champion since John Jones and all this stuff, and then she fell short against Roxanne Modafferi, and people were like, ah, oh, you've been exposed, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think she had some kind of injury, either going into or during that fight, which maybe explains the Roxanne Modafferi fight a little bit more, but... Other than that, she's only lost, I think, two fights in her career so far. And the other loss is to the current champion, Alexa Grasso. So you can't yeah. you can't knock her. You know, it's only two losses. And she's got wins against experienced fighters like Gillian Robertson, JJ Aldrich. Jessica Raya. Uh, Jessica Raya, Andrea Lee. I mean, that was a split decision with Andrea Lee. Could maybe have gone either way. But she looks like she's massively improving, uh, Macy Barber. And I would not be surprised if she fights for a belt within the next few years. I, th- I, th- I think she is getting better and better. As I say, only 25. I mean, we've got to say as well, the number one contender in that division is probably Erin Blanchfield. And she's yeah. only about 25 as well or something like that. So the, the yeah. youth are really coming through at the moment. And Flyway is doing really well. Re- I've always said and been very convinced that Strawweight is by far the best women's division. I think Flyweight is giving them a real run for their money yeah. at the moment, especially with, I know that um, Zhang Wei Li is now booked, but there was a bit of time it felt like where the, the title hasn't been defended and obviously stars like Rose Namajunas, she's now also booked, but Rose Namajunas now booked in the Flyweight division. She's going to be yeah. fighting Manon Furo in Paris on the 2nd of September. So the Flyweight division, in my opinion, has got even better because now they've got Rose Namajunas, one of the greatest female fighters of all time. Um so yeah, there's a uh, there's lot to be uh, happy about you, and excited about with that division. Why do you think she's done that? What moved up, Rose? Yeah, um, I think maybe Chase Legacy just to to see if she can. She's been talking about doing it for quite some time. Maybe the weight cuts are getting more difficult for her, but also to be a two weight world champion, even if it's not a simultaneous two weight world champion, means a lot. I think, mm. and she's got two wins over Zhang Wei Liu, who's the current champion. She could easily go back and uh, and challenge her again. She'd have every right to do so. Um, and I think, why not? And Manon Furo is up there as like, again, before Erin Blanchfield did her thing, Manon Furo was widely seen as like the number one contender in the flyweight division. So, yeah. I mean, Erin Blanchfield has got to be hoping that she's the next one to, to fight for the belt, but you're going to have Surely. Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko in the rematch, you would mm, imagine. Yeah. I know that Rose and Valentina are quite close. That's announced, friends. isn't it? I don't know. Shevchenko. Is that announced? Is yeah, it? I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to, regardless, it's going to, we all know it's going to happen. 
But that's good, even if it hasn't been officially announced, it's all gonna it's gonna happen, surely. Then you've got Aaron Blanchfield waiting in the wings, who's definitely the number one contender outside of the Valentina Shevchenko rematch. But if Rose Namajunas goes to Paris and puts on a big display against Manon Fureau, she is the big name. And I wouldn't be surprised if she jumps over Aaron Blanchfield. And um uh Manon Fureau equally, if she got a big win over Rose Namajunas. In Paris, if the, the the fans and the hometown crowd are cheering her on, there's no reason why she can't, at the very least, go to Aaron Blanchfield. Right, we've now got to fight each other to see who's the number one contender here because I've just done something quite special. And uh, and I say, in front of the home crowd, if they're really cheering for her and she does it against Rose Namajunas, it's just going to be hard to argue with her claiming to be the number one contender herself. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That is confirmed for the, uh, the 16th of September. Uh, Grasso uh, Shevchenko rematch. Well, and that is excellent timing as well because on the second of September you've got Manon Furo versus uh, Rose Namunas, as we said, and then what is it? Two weeks later, you've got the title fight. So if you are Manon Furo or Rose Namunas or Erin Blanchfield, you either you get your fight done if you're Furo or Rose Namunas, and then get your ass over to wherever the uh, uh, title fight between Shevchenko and. Uh, and Grasso is happening and sit cage side and try and show you're there. And if you're Aaron Blanchfield, you try and get yourself cage side, regardless of what happens in Paris, uh, to try Absolutely. and call your shot and be the next one in line for the title. But uh, yeah, flyweight, women's flyweight, I think is, is in a really healthy, brilliant position at the moment. They're doing really well with that division. Um, I mean, toughest bastard of the night award, Fuck Josh Emmett. I mean, we had him on the show. If you haven't listened to our episode with Josh Emmett, uh, please go back and find it and listen to it. Because as we've said, with our interviews, particularly with first-time guests, we go into more than just, you know, what fight's coming up next and what fight have you just had? Uh, if you think, that, oh, this interview's going to be dated, it's not. Because he goes into stuff about his family, it's saving a man's life. He literally saved a man's life. Uh, some, yeah. uh, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but it's quite an amazing story. Fascinating and, story. Um, lovely, uh, lovely guy. What an incredible gent. And uh, yeah, I felt, I felt for him because, I mean, as you say, he did not stop, did he? He did, even in the, 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 the gap between the fourth and the fifth round, the doctors were coming in. And checking his eye over and saying, can you see and do you want to fight? And his eye looked shut. I thought they're going to stop this because his eye looked terrible. Yeah. And he still was like really going for it. And then really gave it some in the fifth round as well. It wasn't like he was, he was surviving. He was going to win in that round. He big was going shots. for it. Yeah. Big shots. And some of them looked a little wild, but they they were, you know, big, powerful shots. He weren't throwing lazy, you know, lazy hands in the end of that round. But I mean... It, it, we, we, you know, we've credited Josh Emmett for showing incredible strength and 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 character and and super brave and fucking hell, you know, so tough. But Ilya Tapuria, like, I mean, as far as boxing goes, like that, that mm. you know, uh, such a high guard, you know, his hands were up, you know, and and he just didn't drop them hands, and he's the. For me, I think the jab really, really worked for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that eye was definitely being peppered with that jab, making things a lot more uncomfortable for Emmett. Um, I think some of the leg kicks were, were, were really kind of, you know, you see Emmett felt like he was throwing these big shots to kind of make the ground up. But his, his leg, you know, several times looked like 
it weren't quite going where it was meant to go because it had been, you know, damaged by by the the, the kicks of Tapuria. Um, I, I think he just sent a message out that, like, you know, fourteen and zero, and there's a reason for this. Like, I'm coming for you all, and and whoever's above him or whoever's next, I'd be fucking worried, mate. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, the thing with Tapuria that really uh, just amazes me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is the fact that he's only 26 years old, but he seems to be so well-rounded, not just in his skill set, but I think kind of in his IQ as well. I mean, there was moments in that fifth round where he looked like he was actually quite tired. I mean, Emmett's face was all over the shop. But Emmett was swinging and trying to go for the knockout still, like an absolute warrior. And Tapuria at points just went, I'm going to take you down now because that's the safest thing for me to do in this situation. Yeah. It was incredibly clever. Sh- showed his fight IQ and where he was at. It- he looked like he was tiring a little bit, but then got him down and was able to, to be on top of him. Some of the scrambles, the way he like, Emmett looked like he was getting out of it. And then he just rolled with him twice in yeah. quick succession. And it looked so skillful. Um, and again, the, the the defensive boxing display that he showed. Like I, I remember that fight against Jai Herbert, and even though it was a weight class up, it looked like, oh, maybe he's quite open to be here. That I mean, if, when, that did, was when a hole did he knock out game. Jai? Was it the third round? I thought it was the second, but I can't fully remember. No, it was the second round. I it thought, was the second round because the I first round Jai, Jai was completely dominant. Jice really rocked him hard and did really well against him in, I think, the first round. And then mm. in the second round, oh, mate, he just he got absolutely smashed with that big right hand. And that just yeah, shows that power carries. And if that's his power at lightweight that he's doing that to Jai Herbert, that power must be so ferocious down at, at featherweight as well. Um, so, yeah, man, so well-rounded. Great grappler. Uh, you saw him kind of hurt Bryce Mitchell, who's a phenomenal grappler, and then have his way with him. Not worried about Ryan Hall, who we know is an absolute wizard, uh, pun intended, when it comes to the jiu-jitsu. Um, he's got crisp boxing now as well. That jab was working well. It's a, I just don't see where there's a hole in his game. I just don't like. He so looks he's... phenomenal. I mean, obviously, the person that could highlight it are the likes of, of Volkanovski and uh, Max Holloway, maybe, but. Jesus, man, this guy is for real, and he's only going to get better. 
26 years old, this man is only going to get better. Who do you think's next? I think this is a really tricky question. I think it's absolutely valid that he goes, I want Volk next or Yair, depending on who wins the belt. But I want Volk next and that's it. And I think he has earned that shot. However, I think that there's so many factors here. If Yair beats Volk, then Volk has earned an immediate rematch just by being the great champion that he's been. So he deserves an immediate rematch if he wants it. Um, and that means Tapuri has sat on the sidelines for another however long. Um, if Volk wins, particularly if he does it in quick fashion, then Volk will rightfully throw his hand in the ring, I guess, to fight in October against Islam Makachev uh, for the yeah. lightweight belt. So if it goes five, if, if Volk wins and it goes five rounds and Volk's a little bit beat up, then I can see that being Tapuria's best chance to fight Volk for, for to fight for the belt in his next fight, because I think Islam Makachev is not the most active of fighters. So if he's fighting in October, I can't see him fighting again until the second quarter, if not maybe later into the summer of 2024. So that may, and Volk's very active. Volk is so active. So I think I could see him fighting Yair. And then fighting again in December, January, maybe even November. Knowing Volk, he's crazy. He fights all the time. Um, so I think in that in that way, Tapuria could get his title shot next. But if Volk goes and fights Islam in October because he's won and then takes a little break, does Tapuria want to wait around until, say, April of, of next year? Uh, I don't know. It's a long time to sit out. And during that time of sitting out, you've got absolute killers like like Arnold Allen could get a win back. Mobzar Evloev is 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 on a decent-ish run at the moment. Um, and these, you know, guys at Featherweight that we've mentioned that are, that are absolute killers can just, just come through, start putting together wins, and then it kind of forces Tapuria to maybe take another fight. Uh, he mentioned that he would fight Holloway in Spain. Holloway's fighting Zombie, though. Yeah, he right. is, but I think he's like it. Like once that happens, and you know, if they want to make a Spain card, and I'll headline the Spain card against um, against Holloway. I think Tapuria said he's up for that. I hate that fight for the same reasons that I hated Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway. You've got a brilliant young contender here for Volkanovski. Why give him to Holloway if Holloway wins? Is Holloway really getting a fourth crack at the belt? I don't want to see it. So, just I, I just mean, don't it, see the point. If Holloway beats Zombie, which I think he will, mm. um, like, I, I mean, I, I know this is just a fight that he said he wanted. There's a lot of mutual respect and it's, you know, there's a couple of legends and, and you know, yeah. it's a fun fight. Um, it doesn't do a lot for Max if he wins. It doesn't sort of alter a lot, I don't think. Um, I can't see Max getting a, a, a shot at Volk. I think, you know... There's it should Volk beat Yair. Yeah, um, yeah I Max Holloway versus Tapurier. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm into that. Arnold Allen versus Tapurier. I'm I'm down with that. I, I think would, that's an exciting fight. I don't know if Arnold's got to get a win. Like I don't know. If I think he's got so. To fight someone else now before he like. But I could see a world is if you've got Volk versus Islam Makachev in October. 
Volk is really good at going, I don't give a fuck, make an interim title shot down at Featherweight. I don't care. Just keep that division moving and then we know we get another unification belt like what he's got with Yair. It's not like he was out for ages and they made it an interim belt for Yair and Josh Emmett to fight for because Volkanovski was out for ages. He'd only recently fought, I think. Maybe it was against Korean Zombies. I can't remember. But he's very active. And they made an interim belt just because they need titles on these cards to make them look better. And Volk's not precious about it. He knows he's the champ and he wants to go up. And if he's going up, let's keep the division moving with an interim champ. That's fine. If they, if Arnold Allen could get one win against kind of anyone in that who? ranked featherweight division, I don't know who, but just anyone. If he could beat anyone, whether it be Ortega, ideally someone like Brian Ortega. But if they did it with Mobzar and Evloev, or Giga Chikadze, or any of those things, and if you got that one win, yeah. then I think you can legitimately do, and I think it would be an absolutely fantastic fight to do Arnold Allen versus Ilya Tapuria for an interim title. I think that would be yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'd love that. I think both of them would be fantastic to watch. Arnold's a great grappler. He's so strong, great boxing, good footwork and movement. Tapuria, as we've mentioned, is a fantastic fighter as well. He's got so many skills. I think that'd be an absolute cracking interim title fight, co-main event on any card. That would be absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. If Tapuria fights Volk for the belt next, I can totally see it. Um, but if Yair wins, I think they'll do an immediate rematch with Volk. That means he's sat out. And if Volk wins early against Yair, surely he's going to go for the Islam Makachev fight. And that leaves Tapuria sat out as well. So... We'll have to just wait and see what happens. But he certainly deserves a title shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think in the meantime, Josh Emmett needs to have a, an holiday. Jesus. And, I mean, if you're, uh, if you're Josh Emmett, man, I don't know how many fights he's got left on his contract, but he's 38 years old. I don't think he's ever going to fight for a belt again. I wonder if he could go. I mean, this might be a half-decent segue, but into a certain organisation called the PFL. Um I think that could be a, a, a great thing for, for him to try and, you know, get his shot at that million dollars or, or something yeah. like that. Just try and chase that money quickly. I don't know. Or, or maybe he could go up to lightweight in the UFC and have some fun fights. But, yeah, well, be interesting to that see. That is a lovely segue. And, and before we uh, – before well, I'll tell you what, before we even get on to let, – let, let's just touch on – because there's quite a few bits we want to talk about with the, the PFL. And, um I'm mindful as well that I want to talk about um, our partners um, yes. that we, we, we've uh, been working with. But um, but before we do that, let's just um, – somebody else that's kind of uh, father time maybe have sort of crept up on them and uh, and already made, you know, one of the most incredible comebacks and uh, and, and, and beat Pettis twice. Um, he's former guest of the show and just all-round top gent, uh, Stevie Ray, who had a, had a tough night at, at the PFL last weekend and uh, and has since announced his retirement from the sport and he's looking to go into coaching, seeing saying today that he's going to be doing seminars around, around the country, um, which is fantastic. You get a chance to, you know, to be in your gym and, and somebody like Stevie Ray comes down to, uh, you know, bestow his wisdom upon... Uh, yeah, your yeah, yeah, fight IQ. Then uh, what? What a fantastic opportunity! And yeah, just one of the the nicest guys you know in, in the sport. The recent documentary um, about his family and you know and and the sacrifices that that not just Stevie's made, but the the sacrifices that his wife's made to to support Stevie's career in you know and and you know and he's 
a very demanding career. It's all encompassing, you know. He's away from home for for you know huge periods of time. He's got four kids, I believe, Stevie. I believe and, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, he's he's had a um, you know, he, he's he's had some real uh, tough times uh, with his daughter, who's he's had to have um, bruised brain surgery, wasn't it? Yes. And, um, yeah. I mean, and, I, I wonder uh, if that's one of one of the reasons that you know. It, yeah. He's got to be there for his for his Mate. family, and it must it must have been so hard for him with everything that's going on with with Stevie and his family at the moment. His daughter having brain surgery, and they're raising money for her to have kind of a specialist brain surgery, and to go through all of that and still trying to do fight camps. I mean, where's his head at? I mean, well, that- how do you how do you maintain fight focus when your one of your children's having brain surgery? Mate. It's unfathomable. I, 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 you wouldn't wish it on on anyone. I mean, what no. an unbelievable! I mean, he called brave art for a reason, but I mean, yeah. the, I mean, yeah, I, unbelievably brave. Um, for his whole family, I think, to, to be going through something like this and to keep it together, and for him to be trying to earn money for this surgery by going out there and fighting some of the best fighters on the planet when his his daughter is is dealing with that because he knows he needs to provide. I mean, it's a heartbreaking uh, uh, story. And now at 33, uh, again, not old, only 33 years old, he's saying he wants to, to hang it up. And he's say he had that incredible kind of rocky story last year in the PFL where he came back after years off thinking he was, he was retired because of injuries and, and stuff. Lost his first fight in the PFL, but then got that incredible kind of like twister finish over Anthony Pettis to get himself into the playoffs. Then fought Anthony Pettis again, beat him again. And uh, and then just oh came just a little bit short against uh, Olivia Oba Mercier in the final to get that million dollars uh, last year. But obviously the whole of this season is two fights in this season against uh, Nathan Schultz, who we'll get onto later, and Clay Collard lost both of those fights. But again, I, I mean I don't I don't think it's particularly surprising given where his head must have been at because of all the the stuff going on with his. With his family, so importantly, we're just wishing a recovery for his daughter and all the best to his family and everything. And you know, maybe we will see Stevie Ray again, uh, maybe not. But either way, he's definitely left a lasting legacy uh, through Scottish MMA, through UK MMA, and anyone that was following uh, kind of UK MMA and the PFL last year. He was a real rocky story, and it was wonderful yeah. to watch. It, it didn't have the fairy tale ending that we all wanted, but it was great TV and great sport to watch. Um, just for, for clarity, he put out on his Instagram, 14 years of service done, time to pass on my knowledge and experience. Going to try and book some seminars over the next few months, July, August, September in the UK. If you'd like to do a seminar at your gym, give me a message. So if you're an MMA gym or someone involved in the MMA community that uh, wants to get elite level uh, grappling seminars going, uh, I think you look no further than, than Stevie Ray and hopefully he'll be going around the UK and other places teaching the, the younger generation some of his uh, amazing grappling expertise. Um, so yeah, shout out to Stevie Ray and his family. Uh, yeah, amazing achievements. Absolutely. Um should we do a shout out to Gamcare? Let's let's do that. So for those of you that that don't know, uh, we have partnered up with Gamcare. We have had interest in the past from uh, kind of uh, uh, sponsors that were involved in the gambling and betting uh, world, 
And uh, we know that a lot of people on, on podcasts and stuff are sponsored by, by gambling sites. And I've got no nothing against those those podcasts or anything like that. But because of our own personal reasons, me and Stu just thought that this this wasn't for us. We, we, we weren't interested in um, promoting gambling on this podcast because, uh, you know, we've seen the negative sides of, of, of people having gambling addictions and, and, and stuff like that. So we wanted to do something different and we've partnered up with Gamcare, who are an amazing charity that work with people with gambling addictions. And uh, there's a 24 seven helpline. I haven't actually got the number in front of me, Stu, if you don't mind grabbing the, getting the number up, but um, there's a 24 seven helpline uh, just to help you. If you are, if you are an individual suffering with potential gambling issues, or if you're a family or friend of someone that's suffering from those issues, they will talk to you as well. And not only do they have the 24-7 helpline, they've got like um, online chat. So if you're not comfortable talking on the phone to someone, you can just be texting them. And on top of that, if you want to, they can give you counseling sessions for free. Free counseling sessions for you as an individual suffering with a gambling addiction. Or if you're a friend, a family member of someone suffering with a gambling addiction, they want to help you. And they will be able to offer you counseling sessions for free where you can talk over Zoom or, or, or over the phone or whatever with someone that is trained to, to help you and listen to you get through this uh, addiction, which, as we said, it, it can ruin lives. And there, there's, a, there's a, an idea out there of the gambler being like the you know, 50-year-old, 60-year-old white-haired man down at the races and it's not, you know... Gam- what I like was there, when you said 50-year-old and said white-haired, you looked at me and then went, and 60-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to say we're talking about you here. But, um, but there's a stereotype of what the gambler is. And gambling has changed so much with, with betting apps and, and, and gambling adverts all over the shops now. It affects young people a lot. There are, is a huge demographic of like 18 to 25-year-olds and 25 to 35-year-olds that are suffering with gambling addiction so if you are someone that thinks you might have a problem or if someone's told you they think you might have a problem if you're in debt if you are having your relationships with people around you suffering negatively because of your gambling just give these people a call there's no commitment absolutely to it. just give give them a call have a chat with them and see if it changes your opinion on something or see if it helps you in any way and that's uh something we're really proud of on on this show is to kind of be just Celebrating the work that that Gamcare do, and trying to, uh, to to help anyone that may have an issue out there with gambling because it can really negatively affect your life. So, uh, massively. Yeah. So head over. You can the website is Gamcare G A M C A R E dot org dot uk. That's Gamcare dot org dot uk. Go over there and you can do the live chat if you need to speak to someone. Alternatively, uh, just give them a call. It's free on oh eight oh eight. Eight zero two zero one three three. That's oh eight oh eight eight zero two zero one three three. That's Gamcare. Right. So let's let's stick with the PFL before we get onto the biggest fight of all time. Apparently, huge, huge, huge fight. <laughs> um, let's stick with the PFL because there's been some strange old news coming from the PFL. In the uh, so Nathan Schultz and House uh, Manfio. Fought at PFL 6, I believe it was, in the lightweight division, in Stevie Ray's division. And um, 
Uh, Nathan Schultz, I believe, I'm just going to triple check this, but won the fight by a decision. And um, off the back of this fight that by all accounts was incredibly lackluster and not a particularly good fight. Yes, he beat Alshmanfia by decision. Because it wasn't a particularly good fight, the PFL, and I'm just going to try and bring up their news here, the PFL have uh, suspended both Hausmanfio and Nathan Schultz for not, you know, applying themselves in the right way. I'm sort of just trying to find the uh, the news article here and I can't find it. But um, And uh, it means Nathan Schultz has been removed from the semi-final playoffs and he's lost the chance of fighting for a million dollars because his fight was, by all accounts, not exciting enough. Now, I can't say I've watched the fight, so I don't know how bad it was. I have heard people talking about it and saying it was like a glorified spa, but it's a dangerous road to go down, I think, when you're just taking away the the opportunities for these guys. And also, PFL maybe have to look to themselves a little bit because it's well known that Manfio and Schultz are good friends. I don't know which one, but one of them is godparent to the other one's kid. So it's really difficult to expect these guys to go in there and just knock seven shades of shit out of each other when you didn't even need to make this fight. Like, it wasn't like it was the final. It was just a random... It wasn't even a semi-final. It was just a random fight. You could have gotten them to fight other people. You know they're very close friends. And you forced this situation on them. What, What do you think of it, Stu? You can't suspend fighters because the fight weren't that good. Like, look at um, uh, Francis uh, Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. Look at, what was, who was it Rose fault where there was literally about two shots oh. thrown in the whole fight? Carla Esparza. Yeah, imagine Carla if Esparza, the UFC just went, ah, oh, nah, we're stripping that. The new fight for the belt. This fight doesn't count for the belt. Carla's not the champ. And that fight was horrifically oh, shit. It was fucking like, terrible. So bad. And like, but uh, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, fans are clear. You know, m- made their feelings. You know, apparent. Yeah. You know, but fucking hell, you can't just go. Nah, nah, nah. We're gonna get rid of you. I mean, that is that's not a good look for an organisation. Um, and, and again, whoever's matchmaking, like, if they're best mates or like really good mates, that should be took into consideration. Yes, they're yeah. professional fighters and it's work and that's their job. But if there's other fights that could have been made, maybe I looked at them. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've got the statement here, but just off the back of what you're saying, it's like we've been talking for a while about Aljamain Sterling and, and Mirab Divalishvili and how they're such close mates they don't want to fight each other, even for a UFC title. So when you've got this situation here where, by all accounts, again, one of them is godparent to the other one's kid, like, why have you just stuck them in a fight with each other? Like, yeah. you, you've seen over in an organisation that is bigger than yours where the money for the champions over the course of a career is probably more than yours. I know they don't have the million-dollar one-time payoff thing or yeah. anything like that, but... Aljamain Sterling and Marav Tavalishvili do not want to fight each other for way more glory than what you're offering these guys in just a regular season fight. And these guys, are one of them's got parents to the other one's kid. This seems mental to me. It seems like really bad matchmaking. Now, yeah. 
The conspiracy theorists out there would argue that what this has done by removing them is it's given the opportunity for them to put in Shane Burgos, who was like one of their big money signings very recently, into the playoffs because he would not have qualified for the playoffs had they not done this. So it's only because they've done this that he's qualified for playoffs. I'm not saying that it's that nefarious, but it's definitely not a good look that they've spent money on Shane Burgos to come over to the PFL and then they've suspended these two guys, one of which was ahead of him uh, and was in the playoffs in, in Nathan Schultz. And it's then allowed Shane Burgos, their big money signing, to go into the playoffs. It's not a good look at all. Um, and just uh, just because I've now got it up, the press release from the PFL, the PFL statement on this uh, on this matter was last night. Natan Schultz and Hausch Manfio did not meet the standards which all PFL fighters agreed to uphold in competition. All fighters in their PFL agreements agree to use their quote best efforts, skills, and abilities as a professional athlete to compete and defeat any opponent. Close. Quotation marks. Uh, it's very clear that Natan and Rausch did not meet that contractual standard, standard in yesterday's bout. PFL immediately suspended both fighters from the season and deemed the fight to have zero points for purposes of league standings. PFL takes this action in recognition of its responsibility to all PFL fighters and all PFL fans. Um, I, I can understand why that's in the contract because you, you don't want a situation where it's like, you know, you get like World Cup matches where they've made all the last group stage games in the World Cup at the same time, haven't they? Because you don't want, if Germany only need a draw, then you don't want them sort of, or, or if both teams, if, if say Germany and Spain only need a draw to qualify to the knockout stages... But if one of them loses, then a team in, in another team in their group could take them over. Those two teams might just kind of play for nothing if the, the game sure. before them has been and gone, if all they need is a draw. If, if, I don't think I'm articulating myself very well, but I think you understand what I'm saying. You don't want people going out there just playing for a draw or, or not really exposing themselves too much because they know that you know that, that the ramifications to their, their league standings, getting into the playoffs and all that, could be worse because they've they've made some kind of mistake. They've gone for it too much or anything like that. So I can understand why something like this is in the contract. But I really do think a lot of this is down to the matchmakers because of what we talked about previously with how close Schultz and, and, and Manfio are. Um, do you have anything else to, uh, to say on this matter? No, not really. I mean, um, what's Francis's role uh, as part of his contract with the PFL? Good point. Um, I can try and bring that up because do you want to pull up that thing that I sent you? Uh, yeah, he's got he's, he's got a thing else to do with fighters' rights and and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I'll pull I'm up the to, uh, I'll pull up the previous press release to try and find out exactly what it says about Ngannou. You read out the statement, but I believe from Nathan Schultz uh, about uh, I am what very, was going on. I am I am very unsatisfied with the decision that was taken by the PFL last night to favour Shane Burgos' entry into the playoffs. You remember Francis Ngannou's fight against Derek Lewis? He didn't throw six punches in the whole fight and he wasn't cut for his performance that night. So I ask you, Francis Ngannou, since you protect the rights of the fighters, do you think this decision is correct? Right. Great. I mean... Go on. I wonder what Francis has got to say to that. Well, yeah, so Francis officially is um, part of the Global Athlete Advisory Board uh, to closely collaborate with the athletes and minds of greatest minds uh, and athletes in MMA to ensure PFL stays focused on its fighters' first mission 
combined with recruiting and developing future global champions. Uh, so he'll have a leadership role on the board, making him the first active fighter to uh, uh, serve on the board and represent fighters' interests. Right. So, from what you're led to believe, this was a very, very important part of the contract for Francis. He wanted to be looking out for fighters and, you know... It's the whole thing where you know Francis is he's a good guy and you know he's he's chose this 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 contract and he's you know factored all these different things in it which theoretically puts him in a position where he can look at for what you know the fighters and and essentially what's just happened at the weekend put some kind of case forward of representation and advice and things like that so quite quickly as he signed with the PFL Francis that this is the first high-profile within the PFL case that you'd expect him to kind of make his stamp with and, you know, and go, right, okay, no, I don't agree with this. Shane Burgos hasn't fought the right way to get to where he's got. He's been fast-tracked on a decision that feels unjust. And how can he disagree with it, Francis? Because he had one of the most, what should have been one of the most exciting fights in the UFC. He made it possibly the most uninteresting fight in the UFC. Um, so I think this is this is where Francis, as he say, this is where he can, you know, stand up and go, right, okay. Because otherwise, I don't think it's a good look for Francis. You know, I, I think... You know, everything he's campaigned for, he's got, and now it's a time of like, right, well, okay, go on then. It's a real tricky one because obviously he's just one member of that board. There should be a lot of people, but he's got a huge platform to be talking about this stuff. And you're right, if he's truly serious about... This seems to be like the first steps towards maybe having some form of fighters' union. Uh, and, And he's positioned himself to be on that board to try and fight for the rights of fighters. Now, I think a lot of the time, the reason he was doing that was was financial in terms of getting these fighters paid what they should be. And this is, I, I want to say, I am a huge fan of what Ngannou's done, trying to get his opponents paid more money, making sure he's paid more money, and trying to, I think, overall make um, uh, conditions better for fighters. I think yeah. that was what he was aiming to do. And I hope that he he does that. And I think he's a wonderful person for, for for trying to do that and incorporating that rather than just being selfish and worrying about his own financial needs. But this is probably something he was not anticipating, a situation mm. like this, which is very, very tricky. And the company themselves have already come out and done what they've done. They could maybe go back on it, but I think it's incredibly unlikely. Mm. So, yeah, because Nathan Schultz has name-dropped him and put him out there in this statement it does sort of make you want to hear from him. Yeah, I want to hear from Nganu now. I want him to say, I don't agree with this. I don't have the power to stop it. It's the PFL scene. But my position on this is I don't agree with it. It's not right. Or I want him to come out and say, look, mate, you're in breach of your contract. You should have said, I don't want this fight with Fausch Manfio. Maybe he did. I don't know. But you're in breach. Like Either way, whatever side he lands on, I now want to hear from Francis Ngannou as someone that has this role. And it sort of, to me, might show us how serious he is about this role, whether it is just a sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just, I don't know, like a a kind of 
glorified sash that he will wear <laughs> going yeah. forward or, or or if it's something he seriously wants to kind of roll his sleeves up and and get involved in this side of of the sport i don't know perfect and, opportunity yeah. yeah tricky one tricky one indeed of course of course um and i think lastly you know there were some huge announcements of some of the, the biggest fights that was ever going to be made in, in the UFC. Um, we saw, you know, legends of the game like CM Punk, um, <laughs> you know, get get signed to uh, to put on these absolute insane fights. Um, I didn't think it could ever get more exciting than CM Punk in the UFC, um, but I'm wrong. I'm absolutely wrong. Um, Elon Musk... Um, versus uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, why the fucking hell, well, I know why, money, is Dana White even discussing, mentioning, endorsing, supporting? I know it's eyes on the UFC, it's money, but just, I just don't, I just wish it wouldn't happen. It's like, you've got the best organisation, you've got the best fighters, focus on them, not these fucking fools, like, that are not fighters, you know, let, let them go and fight in whatever fucking Jake Paul fights in, or, you know, or go and let them fight in some organisation that Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg can set up that will make sure that every single person on the planet has to watch it because they've got that level of fucking power and influence. Don't fucking start talking about fighting the UFC. I look, I on on one level, I don't actually like don't no no no, don't. no 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 hear me out, hear me out. If I wouldn't have a problem with Dana White talking about it in terms of it would be huge money. People would watch it. I'd think it was a load of shit. But, and most people listening to this podcast would probably think it's a load of shit. But if you don't think people would pay money to see Mark Zuckerberg fight Elon Musk, you're wrong. They absolutely will do that. Um, so as a promoter, he wants to, like, uh, the, the same with any promoter. You'd want to throw your hat in the ring to go, we'll put that on because we'll make shit loads of money. Um so that makes sense for any promoter to go, we want to be involved in a fight that will make lots and lots and lots of money. That's just the basic principle of promoting, I guess. So that makes sense to me. What I have a problem with is how much Dana White flip-flops on things all the time. Like, we don't do gimmick fights over here. Oh, no, no, no. We're not doing gimmicky fights. You know, we we don't want boxers and MMA fighters fighting each other. Oh, what, Tyson Fury wants to have a fight? Oh, yeah, come over here and have a fight. What a ridiculous thing that would be if Tyson Fury fought John Jones in the octagon. It gets smashed. It just gets taken mm. down. It's pointless. It's a gimmick. Um, have you seen Tony Bellew talk about... Um, he, he done this, this amazing thing, Tony Bellew, uh, about three weeks ago, where he's like, listen, like, boxers are great at boxing. Like... Any boxer gets in an octagon with a cage fighter, they're off their heads. He said, because you've never had your legs kicked. You've never been took down. Like, you won't go around. It won't happen. Huh. And, like, it's just, just diff- they're different sports. And 
they're mixed martial artists. You know, they can box, but they're probably not going to. They're going to fucking kick your legs to pieces and ragdoll you around the octagon. Yeah. And I have no interest in... Don't, I'm lying. If Tyson Fury wanted to get in a cage with Francis Ngannou, uh, I'd rather see him get in a cage with John Jones and just have his legs kicked to pieces. I'd love to watch that. I think it would be hilarious. Um <laughs> but of no value whatsoever. Hopefully it would be the final thing where people just go, they're two separate sports, leave them well alone. If MMA fighters want to go and box, great, because most of them have got the fundamentals of boxing in their back pocket and they can just drill that. Um, But in regards to, yes, I can box, but I've got no background in wrestling, jiu-jitsu, you know, um, Muay Thai, you know, I can't kick. It's like, stay away from it. Yeah, And then if you've got, for me, just to wrap things up and get back onto Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg, both of them men, I reckon their mortgages are paid. I don't reckon. <laughs> do you think? The, I think I do. No, I don't, I don't think they're... The rates I, have I, gone I, up I, lately, mate. Inflation's no, I crazy. I've got a feeling the cost of living is not interfering with their life massively. If they've got a problem, I go, you, you, old school straightener, pub car park, your choice. Keep it simple. Like, just have a little straightener in a pub car park. Just a few, like, invited mates. Just to kind of, if it goes a little bit fucking silly, someone's got to step in. But I just think that'd be better. And do it on the moon. Like, you know, why not sort of do it? That'd be great. (laughs) Just have a straightener on the moon. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, Zuckerberg's been training for a while, hasn't he? He's done, like, jujitsu, and you see videos of him training and stuff. I reckon Elon Musk will just, like, replace his own arm with a bionic arm. Or something 100%. like that. And then it just, that, that was kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, obviously, look, it's, it's stupid because it's stupid. But also, I do have a problem with, with Dana talking about it just because of how he talks about, like, gimmick fights this and, you know, this is a load of nonsense and all that stuff. And he slags off, you know, the Jake Paul stuff and he slags off... Um, and Garnu wanting to box and all these things and like, no, we don't do that here. It's always the best versus the best here. We don't do that in this organization. We're the best versus the best. Oh, what Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk? Prime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, you know, it's it's, it's a money. Of, I'd rather he just be honest about the whole thing. I'd rather he just goes, if the fight makes money, we're interested in it. I don't care how stupid it is. If the fight will make money. Of course we're interested in it because we're in the business of making money. Our prime thing is the best mixed martial artist versus the best mixed martial artist. That's our bread and butter. That's what we do better than anyone else. And that is what the UFC is all about. However, if an opportunity comes up to make silly money out of Tyson Fury, Zuckerberg, whoever the Jake Paul, whatever it is, will we be interested in that money? Yes. And I'd rather he just said that and was honest about the whole thing rather than flip-flopping around all over the place. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there you go. That, that's it. Okay. Well, look, thanks ever so much for listening uh, to the podcast today. And why not check out the back catalogue? As we mentioned earlier, um, a few of the fighters that we spoke about, and um, there's some great long-form interviews with them. Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Stevie Ray that we've spoken about today. Alexander Volkanovsky, we've had him on twice now. Um, the first time he came on, nice long-form conversation with him, all about his his life today, you know, how he got into fighting. Um, and a fantastic episode that was maybe about a month ago now, where he come back 
back on. Um, so go check that out. And like you say, um, there's, there's a real who's who of, of, of all your favourite fighters in that back catalogue. So go uh, check them out. If you've not gone over to YouTube and watched the podcast yet, all the episodes are up on YouTube so you can watch it. So when you head over there, please subscribe. Um, and I think, is there anything else we've got to say? Or can we just wrap it up here? I'm not sure. Let's wrap it up. This is a really good ending, isn't it? Can we do? Can we just? Oh. Can we just wrap it up. Get this over. Get this over and do. done with. What we can do. Oh, go on. No, in. no, no. One more time. Our partners at Gamcare. Oh. Oh eight oh eight eight oh two oh one three three. Head over to gamcare.org.uk. It's a lovely way to end, isn't it? Isn't it? Bye. Bye.